All right, we're gonna preach. I got a word for you. It's week five in the month, so we have an open theme. So I was thinking, what am I gonna preach? I had a message for you. And then I, I checked it past the boss. I said to Jesson, um, should, I, should I preach this? I checked with the Holy Spirit too, don't worry. And she said, she said, no. I said, what about, what about this? What about the idea about victory? She said, that's what you need to preach. You need to preach about victory. In fact, Pastor Mick was at Bankstown this morning preaching about victory. And I think it's a word for us just on this week that God wanted to speak to you about victory. Because we are not people who live with a victim mentality when we have the victor of all heaven and earth living on the inside of us. When you invite Christ into your world, you're inviting the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords to come and live on the inside of you. He is the King and everything is under His feet. He said this awesome thing. He said, he said on the cross, He's dying on the cross and, and He's been through just hell, like literally. And, and He is there on the cross. And when it's all said and done and He breathes His last breath, He says these words, He says, it is nearly finished. Wait, no, He didn't. It is almost done. Come on church, He said, it is finito, done, completed, over, devil defeated. I am victorious. Jesus did it all. Nothing left to do, nothing left to finish. No good works can complete what His sacrifice did on the cross. So He said, it is finished. He said, it is finished. You know, I, I don't know if um, any builders in here, you know, any builders? couple of builders. When a builder builds a house and he's finished, the house is built, but just because the house is built doesn't mean anyone's living in it. Just because Jesus has built you a new life, one of victory, not one where you're the tail, not one where you're beneath, but where you're the head, where you're above. Just because He built it, and He has, He finished it. Nothing left to build for you, but you might not be living in it. And that's actually not His fault. Because we're like, God, why am I living like this? Why is everything hard? Why, why, is it, why? Uh, come on, God. He's like, Psh, come on you. I built you, I built you, built you a palace and you're living in a prison. You're living in a place, you're living under the words of what people told you are, what people said about you. You're living in the wrong house. You're at the wrong address. Jesus said, I didn't build you that house. Somebody built you that house, but it wasn't me. Maybe we're stuck living in a house that God hasn't built us. And some of us need to move out. Say goodbye, old landlord. I got a new landlord. His name is Jesus and I'm moving in. And you don't need to bring nothing. Just leave it in the old place because He's got a fully furnished. We need to move into the house that God has built and it's a house of victory. It's a house where you're a conqueror. We have victory in our veins. 
when we receive Christ. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's an he's a awesome uh, footballer, probably, you know, arguably the best in the world. Um, there's another guy called Messi, um, but Cristiano's better. Cristiano Ronaldo, he has a son and, and he called his son Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> Jr. Uh, really like obviously was running out of baby names. So just called him after himself. And so, so he has this little kid. And, and since like two years old, he's been just, this, I mean, this kid's ruined. He, he has no choice. He's, he, he is gonna be a beast of a footballer. He's nine years old. He already plays for the Juventus Academy and he, he scores like goals all the time. I watch it, you know, it's whatever. I, I keep a track of these things. And so he is, he is gonna be amazing. But I mean, he was born into it. He didn't choose his dad. He was born into it. My, my dad's 64 years old and has metabolism like no other. He can out eat me. It's true, it's crazy. I mean, we have contests and he wins and it's, it's, it's weird. But I inherently have the same problem. I'm always hungry. I mean, pray for my wife. She'll, she'll cook this amazing meal. And I'll say, babe, that was so good. But man, I'm hungry. <laughs> She's praying for the day that I say, I'm full. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. But I didn't, I don't know how that, I didn't choose it. I just born into it. You didn't deserve the victory that you've got. You didn't do anything to get it. You're just born into it. That's why it's called being born again. You're born into it. Victory lives in you. And so when I receive Christ, I'm not living for victory. I'm living from victory. And this will change your life. If you can get a hold of this, this will radically shift how you see your life. Even the bad stuff. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good for those who love God and accord according to His purpose. Even when I lose, I win. Even when I fail, I succeed because victory lives in me. So Lord, we pray, speak to us tonight. Let us see, let us hear, let us receive what victory is all about. We pray for a fresh encounter for our faith to rise. In Jesus' Name, they all said, Amen. Can you thank Evangeline playing on the keys so beautifully? I mean, wow, I was in the AM. Mitchell, you're not Evangeline, you're wonderful and a handsome man, strong and manly. Very strong. Thank you, Evangeline. Woo! All right, shut up, shut up. Matthew 14. Evangeline. That is hilarious. John chapter, sorry, Matthew 14, verse 22. Any Matthews in here? Okay, we'll pray for Matthew. Verse 22. Matthew Kendall, we love you, bro. Oh, there's another, there's another Matthew. There is a Matthew. Praise Jesus. All right. Jesus walks on the water. This is, this is what I want to talk to you about. 
Uh, It says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After He had dismissed them, He went up on a mountain side by Himself to pray. Later that night, He was there alone. And the boat was already considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And I think that's the most casual way you could ever say that. Are you kidding me, Bible? That Jesus is walking on the lake. That's crazy. Yeah, and then, you know, Jesus, He walked on the lake. When the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. It is I. It is I. Where have I heard that before? I am Moses at the bush, staring at the bush. And he says, God, who are you? And he says, I am. Jesus says, it is I, because I can be whoever you need me to be. If you're out in a storm, caught on the water, it is I. I can walk on water. Things you drown in, I can walk on. He says, it is I, Jesus. Don't be afraid. And then Peter pipes up. Who loves Peter? You heard of Peter? Peter's crazy. He just pipes up all the time, everywhere through Scripture. He pipes up again and Peter Piper pipes up and he says, Lord, if it's You, tell me to come to You on the water. And Jesus said, come on then. Amazing. I've heard it preached that that Jesus said, Peter, step out onto the water. But it was actually Peter who said, Jesus, can I? And Jesus said, come on then. Yeah, come on then. I wonder, what are you waiting on God to ask you to do that He's already gonna give you permission to do? You're just waiting on you to ask? What things do I need to ask God? And I'm waiting. I wonder, I wonder if I could walk on the water. Yes, you can. If Jesus can walk on the water, that means you can too. And Peter understood this. So he said, Jesus, I wanna come out in the water. He said, come on then. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And then Jesus put his hand on Peter's head and held him under the water. (laughs) Said, you learn your lesson, boy. (laughs) Not looking at me, looking at the wind and the waves, what's wrong with you? And just, just so he knew, who, he did. It doesn't say that. Because we, we think, oh, Peter, what an idiot, you know? Jesus, immediately. How long did it take him? Immediately. Reached down, grabbed him, caught him. And then he said, Peter, you have little faith. Come on, man. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Him saying, truly you are the Son of God. Here's what's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that victory often is learnt in an environment of battle. I mean, not often, kind of always. Um, The way your faith grows is not always when things are going well, but it often grows the most in the middle of a storm. 
And what's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus sent the disciples into the storm. Hang on, Jesus. You're meant to have my back. You're the the light and the lamp and, and you're meant to lead me into good places. But here's Jesus sending His disciples into a storm and some storms we create, right? I mean, some storms we're like, it's the devil. Well, no, it's actually just you. <laughs> and, and sometimes there are storms that are from the enemy and sometimes there are storms that are just crazy and who knows how to explain it. But sometimes there's storms that are actually designed to give you something. This storm was a gift wrapped in wind and waves and uncertainty, but in it was a gift. So Jesus sends them out and they're out on the water. The disciples had faith to get in the boat. Peter had faith to get out of the boat. The disciples in the boat learnt lessons about how Jesus saves us. Peter learned a lesson about how Jesus actually shows us the kind of life we can live. Both developed their faith. The, the, the faith that was developed for the disciples was the faith of resistance, where you learn in the, the storm, in the place of resistance, your faith grows. God wants to build your faith and He'll use resistance. You ever been to the gym? Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna work on our fitness regime around here. Uh, uh, if you've ever been at the gym, if you wanna build muscle, you need some resistance. Standing in the gym, looking around is not gonna develop your strength as much as I would like it to. And as much as you pay for that membership, being there but with no resistance isn't gonna develop your muscles. You will walk in and walk out the same way. And isn't that somehow what some of our Christian life can feel like? We're, we're always in the same, we're, we're in it but nothing's changing. But maybe that's because we need to lean into some of the resistance in our life because in that resistance, it's gonna develop our faith. That's part one. Part two tonight, I talked about this morning. I'm not gonna go into it anymore. Listen to the podcast. But tonight, part two, the other thing that God uses to develop our faith so we can live in the place of victory, live in the house He built for you to live in is risk. Oh, risk. Who likes risk? A couple of people. Who hates risk? Okay. I have a friend, his name's Ian. I call him Safety Ian because, because Safety Ian is, is, he is very safe. He is very safe. Like he's the kind of guy that, um, that you know, has a first aid kit in his car, but it's not like one of these little ones. It's like a huge first. I'm like, how much did that cost you? You know, are you an actual doctor? He, he has one, one year for a, a gift, he asked for a fire extinguisher, you know? <laughs> he does not allow, my, my friend Ian, he does not allow any candles inside. He is just safe. <laughs> and one time, at, uh, at my wife's birthday party, we were, we were playing soccer in the backyard and we're kicking the ball. And I have this friend, his name is Jack. And Jack, um, he has no chill. And so Jack, Jack is playing soccer and Jack is very competitive. And so even when it's like a friendly game and we're just there to have fun, Jack is there to win. <laughs> he didn't come here to have a friendly game of soccer. He came to win. 
And so we're, we're sitting there and, and there's a bunch of us playing and then there's a whole crew of people sitting on the stairs and the stairs are right in front of where we're playing. And so there's a crowd of you know, girls and they're watching us, woo! And so they're standing there and then there's Safety Ian. And Safety Ian's in the crowd with the ladies and he's sitting there with his child and he's a ladies man and he's, he's sitting there and, and he says, oh, this is so unsafe. You guys are crazy sitting here. I'm gonna sit behind. I'm moving back out of the way. This is dangerous. So safety in, moved behind the crowd. But he did not know that Jack, no chill Jack, had the ball and was sprinting down the, the sideline and he's got the ball and Jack goes to score a goal, but there's no goalie, which would mean, you know, just tap it in, bro. But, but Jack has no chill. So Jack kicks the ball like he's in the World Cup about to win the final. And he kicks it with all his might and it goes flying up the stairs right at all the girls. And they're sitting there, they're sitting there, the ball comes flying and they all simultaneously duck. (laughs) And who is sitting behind them? Safety in. He turns and he kisses a ball in the face, flying at his face, breaks his glasses, blood on his face, hits the deck. Ah! And safety in got hit by the ball. And sometimes in life, we can be so risk adverse. I mean, these, these guys on the boat, there's a risk of getting out of the boat, but you, you gotta know there's a risk of staying in the boat. There's a risk of, of never stepping out. There is a risk that you will never step into the kind of life that God has called you to live. And if we stay safe, I mean, the disciples were probably, oh, Peter, Peter, but, but He was out there. They were still in the boat, easy to judge somebody who's out on the water when you're in the boat. Oh, look at them trying to, trying to do something, trying to get out there. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. But you're saying that from the boat. You try walk on the water and he steps out and he walks on the water. Risk develops our faith. Sometimes we, we need to step out into risk. Sometimes we need to take a a, a leap of faith. We need to move beyond. And I I love this, that Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's You, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus said, come on then. And then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. I'd rather be sinking in the water, but close to Jesus. Because even if you are sinking, He can still save you. If, if you are in the call of God, which sometimes is uncertain, which sometimes is risky, even if you are, Jesus is right there with you. And while you sink under, He does not. He can rescue you. He can grab you. What's amazing to me is that Peter, Peter never, he, he never actually would have discovered the grip of God's grace 
if he had not been out on the water. And this grip of God's grace that took a hold of his life marked him. And you read about the story, stories of Peter. He was marked by God. And I believe it was the grip of God's grace that got a hold of him. And that same grip got a hold of him when he stood up in front of 3,000 people and told them about the gospel and 3,000 people got saved. I believe it was the same grip that caused him to go out from the Jewish circle that he was in and start to preach to the Gentiles. I believe it was the same grip that caused him to live a life for Christ. Do not be someone who never discovers the grip of God's grace for yourself. You need to find it for yourself. Being a bystander will only last you so long. Watching somebody else live in victory will only last you so long. Watching somebody else have breakthrough will only last you so long. Watching somebody else step into the call of God will only last you so long. There must come a day where you step out. But I think part of the problem is we are often waiting. We're waiting. And we look at other people and think, well, God called them, but I don't know about me. Jesus didn't single out one person on that boat. Peter made a choice because of the revelation he had of Jesus. The difference between a lot of religions and our religion, our faith, is that this is a God who empowers you. This is not a God who wants to keep you small, keep you down, keep you watching. A lot of religions want you to watch in and want you to look at the, 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 the man of God and, and he, you, the only way you can get to God is through Him. Jesus is not like that. Jesus says, come on then. Come on, you wanna walk on the water? Let's go. Come with me. This is what we believe. And Jesus is looking at you and He is the image of God that you are meant to be. He says, come on then. He's calling us deeper. He's calling us out onto the water so that we can learn who we really are. So we can learn who God has really made us to be. I'll get the keys up here. We, um, Mitch, not Evangeline, thanks. (laughs) Jesus also says this thing to Peter. He says, you have little faith. And that can sound like kind of harsh, don't you think? I wouldn't say um, of all the people in the boat that Peter had little faith. (laughs) I'd say he had the biggest darn faith out of all of them. Right? I mean, who is crazy enough to just get out of the boat and think, well, Jesus is walking the water, I'm gonna too. That is big faith. That's crazy. And we think Jesus was talking to him like, oh, You have little faith. So annoying. That's how we think it. Oh, Peter, you shouldn't have done that. No, I think I think Jesus said it with a smile, you know, as he's holding him. Ha, oh, Pete, you little, you have little faith, bro. I don't think he was talking about like the size of faith, because Jesus said as well, you can have a mustard seed size of faith and you can move mountains. So I don't think it's so much about that. I think it was more about the duration of his faith. I don't think it was about the size because his faith was big. 
I think it was about the duration of His faith because faith works through focus. That is good, that is good. Faith works through focus. The only reason Peter started to sink was not because he was in the wrong place. It was not because he had done the wrong thing. It was because his eyes had moved. When he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on water like a boss. But as soon as he looked at the wind and the waves, he began to sink. Little faith was about his focus, I believe. And I believe if we can learn to allow resistance, the storms in our life to build our faith, if we can learn to let risk build our faith and keep our eyes on Jesus, we can live a durable life in victory where we walk on the water. I believe as a church, we're called to walk on the water. I believe in our location, we're called to walk on the water. Every location across Sydney, Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris's vision is not that we would shrink back. It's not that we would sit back. It's that we would walk out, step out of the boat. We are not a movement who's gonna maintain and sit on what we've got. This building is unbelievable. What God has given us here in the the geographical centre of Sydney, hello, this room, the 27,000 bathrooms, the the three levels, everything God has blessed us with, we are blessed. We're not not small, we're big. We're not weak, we're strong. We're not losing, we're winning. We are victorious. You're a conqueror. You're full of faith. You're able, you're made to step out. You're made to grow. You're made to have faith. You're made to have vision. You're made to reach further than you've ever reached. We are not gonna maintain what we've got. We're gonna step out. And we are just warming up on what God is gonna do. It would be wrong to settle on something that God has been building all these years. In honour of what has been, we will build further. In honour of what has been sacrificed, we will stretch more than we've ever stretched before. One of the ways I believe we can step out as a location is through connect groups. We we have a lot of great connect groups. We, We have an amazing amount of connect groups, but we do need more. Because every connect group represents a place, a, a circle where people find community, where people do life together. Church is not meant to be a place where you sneak in, sneak out. We're not a church with connect groups. We're a church of connect groups. Being connected is not optional when you're walking the life of faith. It's vital. You need community and you need it in His house. And there are thousands of people in the surrounding suburbs of Silverwater who need this community. They need a beacon of hope on their street. They need lights or in high schools, in workplaces, cycling groups, knitting groups, I don't care. We need, we need places where people can find the hope of Jesus. And it's not just on a Sunday, it's all week long. 
So together, we're going to believe in the next 10 weeks to start 10 new connect groups. That's all we're going to believe. I want to show you a map. And this is our surrounding suburbs. And that's all our connect groups. Got Adrian, Myla Daquila, the Caddos, Guy Stain, Mix Sabat, the Uades, the Weapons. But we need more. And so we're going to step out. We had connect group leader training today. Dorian was saying we had 19 people that I'm believing God that we could start 10 new groups in the next 10 weeks because we want to be intentional about it so we can bring Christ into our local community. Amen. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those of faith, willing to walk on the water, We're asking You, God, can we? We're saying, Jesus, can we too? Come on, God, You've done it for other people. Could You do it for us? How Peter walked down the water, we wanna walk on the water. And so we're asking, Lord, and we know that Your answer in Christ is yes and amen. So we're stepping out in Jesus' Name.